The Canadian immigration process can be complex and frustrating. With the Canadian Immigration Department making it virtually impossible to speak to an officer, there are few places to turn to for trusted information. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest on immigration law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy, as he is joined by industry leaders across Canada, sharing insight to help you along your way. Well, welcome back again to another Canadian Immigration Podcast. I'm here with Alicia, and this is another one of our business immigration series. And this is really the last wrap-up to what I think is a pretty good series on the whole labor market impact assessment process. And uh, how do you end any series on the LMIA uh, system, the program, the interaction of employees and employers? Well, you do it with a termination. And uh, Alicia, those terminations can come in eh, different fashions, I guess, but either you as an employer are, you're done with the employee for whatever reason, and it's time to to move on. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit, or the employee themselves quit and all of the uh, interaction, all of the things that flow from that. So I don't suppose you've ever had a situation, Alicia, where you've had to uh, advise either an employer or an employer on what to do when a, an employment relationship comes to an end. But any thoughts? <laughs> it's only been 20 years, Mark. It, it has cropped up a time or two in the um, in the last few decades. So yes, I mean, we're ending at the end here, but it's very important that the end is done properly on the part of the immigration lawyer who's helping advise the corporate client and the employee but also in terms of how the Canadian employer is treating their employees. Because when you have employees under the Temporary Foreign Worker Program, as you know, if you've been listening faithfully to these podcasts, the Canadian employer has a number of obligations. And it's very, very important that everybody is acting ethically and following their legal obligations so that they are not found to be offside in terms of either employment standards legislation or there's not kind of a an alleged breach of a human rights kind of code violation and also that they're complying with what they need to do to inform IRCC and ESDC Service Canada about the termination of that relationship. A lot of companies I've found are confused about what the status of the employee is if they happen to lose their job or if they quit or they get fired. And so that's something we wanted to definitely talk about today. Journey Business Plans is the leading immigration business plan writing service provider in Canada. With more than 10 years of experience, Journey has grown to become a trusted partner for immigration consultants and lawyers. Journey focuses on preparing business plans for a number of immigration applications, including intercompany transfers, startup visas, significant benefits, self-employed, PNPs, and so much more. Their main competitive advantages are reliability, responsiveness, and overall customer service, and I can attest to that. For those of you who don't yet know about Journey, ask your colleagues about them. They're amazing! Or even better, try out their work. You can visit their website at www.jooorney.ca and mention you listen to my podcast with the code HOLTHYJOURNEY10. 
That's H-O-L-T-H-E-J-O-O-R-N-E-Y, number 10. And that'll provide you with a 10% discount on your very first business plan for new lawyers. We're so grateful to have Journey Business Plans as the title sponsor of this podcast. Yeah, you know, lots of people, well, especially if you're an immigration practitioner, whether you're a lawyer or a consultant, specialist lawyers, we have really, really serious obligations to our clients. And when we are representing employers, um, it's pretty much impossible to not also be acting in a dual representation situation where you have um, responsibilities to protect the interests of both clients. And where those interests conflict, that's when our code of professional conduct really kicks in. And we get this a lot when, I'll give you an example, which I know I was being a little facetious when I asked that question, but about if you'd ever experienced it. But one of the the more difficult areas are when we get a call from an employee that we've helped to obtain a work permit. You know, the employer has engaged us to do that. And the employee says, um, I'm thinking about leaving and, and going with another company. You know, what uh, What do I need to do? And mm-hmm. Alicia, what is your initial response when when an employee reaches out? And I know a lot of our colleagues face this a lot. What's your initial response yeah. when an employee, right off the bat, they don't even give you a chance. Like you figure something's in line with what the employer wants, and so you're happy to chat with them, and and then they drop a little bit of a bombshell on you. What? How do you deal with that? Well, uh, what we've done in our firm, when Mark and I are aligned on this, is to make sure that we have set up in advance, ahead of time, a joint retainer consent letter. And so we make sure that before we start acting for the employer and the employee, we say, look it, here are the kind of rules of engagement. We understand that we are in a potential conflict of interest situation in the event that things go south and this employment relationship is going to end. Or if, you know, the other big one that crops up is if there happens to be some sort of past criminal charge that the employee has never talked about or a new criminal charge that crops up after the work permit has been obtained. If there's anything like that, where there's a potential conflict of interest situation, then we have this joint consent retainer agreement that says, look, we can't hide information from one party to the other. We have to be able to share all information. And in the event of an actual conflict of interest, we are not going to continue to act for whomever. And so all parties sign off on that ahead of time. It also talks about privacy legislation and how we treat personal information. Everybody knows that ahead of time. So if an employee calls me up and says, I'm thinking of quitting, I say, all right, well, go back to that joint consent retainer agreement that you signed way back when at the beginning, which says I can't keep things from the employer. So if you're telling me that you're going to quit, you need to go tell the employer that you're going to quit. And I can't continue to give you immigration advice that's going to be contrary to the interests of either party. So that's what we do. So I'm going to follow up with this because I know these people, people are already thinking this stuff. What if the employee says, oh, no, 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 don't tell the employer. I don't want you to say anything to the employer. Then what do you do, Alicia? You know, you've told them that that they are, you know, you've shared that information and you can't keep it. There are no secrets. So what do you do? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit because it's hard to know, you know, how far do I give them a day? Do I give them two days to talk to the employer before... I feel like I'm actually withholding. And what if they say, no, I no, you absolutely are not to say anything to the employer. Um, 
we know that that information that they've shared with us is their information subject to obviously our you know the the fact that they've confirmed in in you know in writing that that there are no secrets how how do you deal with that yeah i mean luckily when i've asked people to do the right thing and told them in no uncertain terms that they must do the right thing knock on wood so far they have um so i don't actually know what would happen if they refused to do the right thing but eventually i would have to tell them you have to tell them or i am going to by this day Yes, And, you know, it really depends on the circumstances in terms of the materiality of that information, whether that's going to affect, negatively affect the employer by a certain date or time. Um, There's a number of moving parts involved there. But basically, as an immigration lawyer, we can't be in a position where there's an actual conflict of interest. So that's something that's really important for people to remember. The other thing, the other way that this sometimes crops up is employers maybe are a little bit peeved or feeling upset about the fact that an employee quit and then they're like, well, I'm going to withhold your documents, right? I'm going to withhold your work permit or I'm not going to give you back something that we had that was yours. And this now is a big problem. And it's something that we've been talking about a lot in terms of employer compliance and the new regulations that were implemented last fall, September 26th. We know that employers have specific obligations where they have to treat their employees fairly and tell their employees what their rights are. And so this all plays into that. No, you cannot withhold an employee's work permit because it is not the employer's property. And you can add a whole bunch of other things. And, uh, you know, obviously employers, we don't want to go down too far down this path because they're they're really great employers, lots of really good ones. And there's some really crappy employers too. Um, obviously within our firm, when we identify an employer who says, uh, yeah, I hold my employee's passport. Um, you know, it's just my security. You know, they don't last too long as clients of the firm. But, uh, but yeah, so there are legal obligations that an employer has to follow. Um, that that are stipulated on the LMIA confirmation and and uh, when they agree to employ someone in this capacity, they have to abide by them. And on termination, um, other factors like provincial employment standards legislation kicks in, right? So they need Absolutely. to make sure that uh, that they're following not only the the immigration laws but the employment laws as well. That's right. So exactly. It depends on the jurisdiction in which the person is working. So there's either going to be provincial employment standards code legislation that is in play, or maybe there's other provincial or um, federal employment standards code legislation, depending on the type of work that's being done. So all of that has to be properly adhered to. And employers need to know that they have to properly issue that record of employment, that ROE document to say, here is the termination date, here's how many hours, here's what the pay was. This is a you know, a, a requirement from the federal government in order to properly log that period of employment, which has implications for the employee in terms of EI and in terms of being able to file their taxes and CRA and all sorts of things. So make sure that you know, if you are an employer, you're terminating somebody's employment, make sure that you're following all the proper employment standards legislation that applies. You're talking to your immigration and your um, employment law counsel on this matter. You're doing that ROE properly and giving it to your employee within the time deadline. And then there's going to be some immigration implications. Yes. And one thing I'll also add, 
sometimes people are under the misapprehension that because you've secured a labor market impact assessment for a worker and they've come and they've got their two-year work permit, that you can't let them go. You can't terminate them. And that's simply not the case. Individuals who come in, they are treated just as you would a Canadian or a permanent resident once the, author, the work authorization is in place and you're complying with the immigration um, you know, expectations uh, within the temporary foreign worker program and, and within IRCC's obligations, as long as you're doing those things. If for whatever reason you, you need to lay someone off, um, you need to uh, you know, terminate someone for whatever the reason is and provide them with notice and, and uh, meet all the employment standards obligations on termination, when you've done that, understand that you can do that. You have mechanism to do that. But it's, it doesn't end there, right, Alicia? Like there's yeah. more and there are expectations of, of, of notification. So what- Because now what, it's a ma- yeah, now it's a material change in circumstance, right? So if you told ESDC on that LMIA, I need these workers, well, you have an obligation to update that information to say, well, wait a minute, I actually had to let this employee go. So I'm go- now going to notify you on which employee that is and when they were let go. And that's really important for- audits, right? For making sure that you are proving what happened and why, uh, notifying ESDC, but not only ESDC, because if that employee then had submitted a PNP application with employer support, you might need to notify the PNP of the relevant province. Or if that person had actually gone on and done an application to IRCC for their permanent residence, you might need to also notify IRCC. So be careful, depending on what stage the employee was in their application process, you might be needing to notify at least three different government bodies with respect to that immigration consequence. And as I kind of hinted there, there might be an implication on future LMIAs. So on a future LMIA, you're going to have to justify why you had terminations under the specific NOT code that you're looking at for future LMIAs and what exactly happened. So that is something that you'll want to keep good notes on, especially if it was a termination for cause or if, you know, something else broke down in that employee-employer relationship. Yeah. And one thing I would advise employers, when you're looking to terminate someone, take into consideration the implication and the consequences for that individual. And I know that business is business. But you may have an employee that is a month or two months away from getting their permanent residence. And their job offer that you have with them is a essential foundational pillar to their permanent residence. <clears throat> and there's nothing worse than an individual who's so close and then they're laid off. And I understand the world of business. This is me appealing to human um, you know, decency. But if you can keep them around for just another month or two months, they may be able to get permanent residence and then you know, and who knows, you may even be able to, if they're on an LMIA-based work permit, utilize them in some other fashion in your business that you hadn't considered previously. So I just want to throw that out just as uh, just, you know, one thing to take into consideration because in many cases it, it, with these LMIAs and, and permanent residents, um, the, the permanent residence itself is, is, is reliant on that job offer. So just take that into consideration. And then Alicia, with that, you know, termination or layoff or, or change in employment, there are there are effects that can can be generated or, or causes um, 
how would he, how would he word it? There, there's consequences potentially for future LMA applications. And so, um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes those layoffs are for reasons outside of the company's control due to almost like a force majeure kind of scenario. And that's written into the legislation. It's in the Immigration Refugee Protection Regulation. So there are justification clauses for why there might be mass layoffs. Um, but it really is something that you want to tread carefully around because if you are going to be looking for a new LMIA for that same position where you've already fired somebody, ESDC officers are going to kind of look a little bit more carefully into what's going on, right? Are you treating these workers properly if you're just firing your temporary foreign workers and then trying to backfill and get new LMIAs for new positions? Why are you not retaining your workers? Ideally, the whole scheme is there. The whole temporary foreign worker program is there to be able to transition people and train Canadians and try to grow from within. It's not supposed to be a revolving door of bringing in outside labor. Yes. And really, it's just a matter of, of just being compliant, which is what we've talked about repeatedly throughout this this particular series on the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. Um, we are at the end of this series now, and uh, hopefully these various podcast episodes that we've gone through covering all aspects of the process have helped to prepare you to know what to do when you're getting into it you know, and, and the things you need to do to maintain compliance and on on termination or the exit of the relationship. And um, hopefully this was helpful. In our future podcast episodes, we're going to transition to the International Mobility Program, which is really in fairness where we try to go right from the get-go whenever we have a company who comes to us and wants to bring someone in from abroad. But there's a lot of choices. It's kind of like a, a buffet and... Uh, when you're when you're making the the selection, um, it's not just a, a matter of choosing a work permit that might be available right now to get the person in as quickly as possible. But in many cases, like we've alluded to here, permanent residence may be uh, an avenue that you're looking at pursuing for the individual, and it may dictate the the type of work permit that you choose to pursue. So we'll see how that plays out in our future episodes. But uh, stay tuned and. If you have any suggestions for ideas for the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to us and uh, we'd love to hear from you and you can find contact information in the show notes to the episode. So Alicia, any passing comments, any final thoughts for employers or employees in the context of a of an exit or a separation? Any, any last minute thoughts or pieces of wisdom you'd like to share? Well, one of my mentors always said, never send an email when you're mad. And so, you know, just be careful that when you're terminating an employee, when that relationship is coming to a close, make sure that you're acting in an ethical and level-headed fashion. And then you're going to go and you're going to talk to your immigration lawyer and your employment law lawyers and make sure that you do it all properly. Exactly. And um, if you are like really in an urgent situation, then uh, just you know, use chat GPT and, uh, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you again soon. Take care.
Thank you for listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast. Your trusted source for information on Canadian immigration law policy and practice. If you would like to book a legal consultation, please visit www.holtylaw.com. You can also find lots more helpful information on our Canadian Immigration Institute YouTube channel, where you can join Mark on one of his many Canadian Immigration Live Q&As. See you soon, and all the best as you navigate this crazy world we call Canadian Immigration. Yeah.